0: Well, welcome, listeners. This is the DOGS program, the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools, and we usually open with the fanfare for the common man because we are interested in the common good, particularly through education for all our children, regardless of their class, colour or creed. And we have a press release for you this afternoon, and we have some other very interesting matter too, Uh, Last uh, Thursday, the 27th, was Public Education Day. Uh, We have some information from America about a very interesting case that's going up to the Federal Court, not yet the Supreme Court, a matter of discrimination. And uh, we've also got from Maddie some material on the last chance highs. And our great state school Well, it's a very interesting school, so stay listening and you'll find out about it at the end of the program. But let's now go to press release 892. Australia has a skills shortage, yet TAFE is shortchanged again. Both federal and state politicians are full to the brim with economic rhetoric jobs, jobs, jobs and training programs, and uh, when the numbers go up, it's all highly questionable rhetoric. The numbers are there, and we will give them to you, but what they really mean is that our tapes, our public tapes, have been shortchanged again, and we'll be talking about that. Both the federal and state governments, budgets have let the youth of Australia down. TAFE has always been the poor relation of the university sector in the tertiary area. But as the prestigious universities flounder financially, although they are very well endowed, some of them and some aren't, uh, through the lack of the international students, and we point out that they have put themselves in this position by going into the marketplace, rather than worrying about the education of our children first and foremost, so our public tastes are floundering to the point in some cases of financial ruin and bankruptcy through lack of the proper public finances. Now, make no mistake about it, listeners, this is our money and our politicians are deciding what to do with our money and they are not putting it into the public sector for the public good. Privatisation policies and public financial neglect are catching up with both levels of government. Libs, labs, it doesn't matter which, and the next generation of our workers. So the federal budget and tape. We had that a couple of weeks ago, and in the last couple last week we've had the state budget. So we're going to talk about both of these this afternoon. The Australian Education Union has got this to say about the federal budget, and I'll now hand over to Dale to tell you. Over to you, Dale.
1: Thank you, Jean. Yes, uh, the AEU says this. Federal budget fails public schools and TAFE students again. The Morrison government's 2021-22 federal budget is another profound fail for public school and TAFE staff, students, and parents across the nation. Australia's public education system is one of the only institutions that touches the lives of Australians in every community and as such should be a source of immense pride and celebration, said Australian Education Union Federal President Karenna Haythorpe. Instead, across primary, secondary and TAFE, this federal budget fails students in every corner of our nation. Since 2013, TAFE has suffered over $3 billion in funding cuts. These cuts have had a devastating impact on TAFE. TAFE is best positioned to deliver high-quality vocational education and skills to help our nation recover from the COVID-19 pandemic, but it must be properly funded the Morrison government is delivering millions of dollars of taxpayer funds to poor quality private colleges and the job network at the expense of TAFE. If this government was serious about funding vocational education to help people get a stable and secure job, it would rebuild with TAFE, Ms Haythorpe said. Australian public schools are experiencing booming and enrolment growth, yet this budget fails to deliver the capital works funding that provides modern 21st century classrooms and facilities.
0: Yet, yet, yet the federal government is quite prepared to give infrastructure money to the Catholic sector and the other private sector to build new schools. Uh, It's really quite shocking when the real choice and the real demand For new schools is in the public sector. It shows you where these governments are really coming from. Sorry to interrupt. Back to you, Dale. No
1: problem. Public schools face a $19 billion shortfall over the next four years. This is a direct result of the federal government's failure to put public education first. As a result, public school staff are denied the resources they need to provide the education and support and support their students deserve. The federal government must understand the critical importance of funding every public school properly to ensure every child has a high-quality education, regardless of their background, Ms Haythorpe said. A federal budget that delivers for public education would include a guarantee of a minimum 70% of all government funding directed to the public TAFE system a commitment to fu- fund public schools to a mag- to a minimum of 100% of the school resource standard and the establishment of a capital fund for public schools to help meet and enro- rising enrollment growth and infrastructure needs it's just Mind-boggling to think that they're having to actually fight just to get the minimum school resource standard. And that's a figure that was come up with by a think tank that was government-funded.
0: Well, part of the problem is not just the federal government there, Dale. The problem with that resource standard uh, in Victoria, which is worse off than all the other states, is the state government itself, which is a Labor government. So um, we're going to find out a little bit more about what happened to TAFE with the state budget uh, after this break.
2: 3CR's annual Radiothon Fundraiser launches in June, and this year we're asking you to be part of Community Powered Radio. It's only with your support that we're able to be independent, community controlled, and focused on people rather than profits.
3: Your support during Radiothon powers the station to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year. And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference, and all donations over $2 are tax deductible.
4: 3CR Radiothon. Show your support during June 2021.
3: 3CR Community Powered Radio.
0: Well, good afternoon, listeners. You're still with us uh, on the DOGS program, the Defence of Government Schools. Uh, we are for public education and we take a pretty strong stand too on the funding, the public funding of private schools. In this, we differ from most other public education groups. But Maddie is now going to tell us what the uh, state budget meant for the TAFE system, which is the public TAFE system, not the private TAFE system. Over to you, Maddie.
3: Thank you, Jean. Yes, um, according to the Victorian Budget Papers, the Victorian Budget for 21-22 invests $383 million to give more people the skills they need for emerging and in-demand jobs. A new skills authority will make sure training matches the needs of students, employers and communities. Funding is also being increased for TAFE facilities and for high-quality, affordable training. $99.2 million to further cut costs for students who undertake study in priority areas with a TAFE or other registered training provider. $2.4 million for further upgrading of TAFE campuses, including major redevelopments in Broadmeadows and Shepparton, and planning for training provision at Melton. $12 million for TAFEs to upgrade facilities and equipment to support training for apprentices and trainees. $85.9 million to set up the Victorian Skills Authority. Um, The authority will draw on existing expertise to build even stronger connections across the sector. It will analyse data and job market insights and publish for the first time a comprehensive annual skills plan. This will sharpen how the sector responds to employment demands and give students confidence that training will lead to a job and a career. $2.7 million for Victorian Aboriginal students to undertake Certificate 2 and 3 in learning and Australian First Nations language at TAFE for free through Marung preserving Aboriginal languages, Um, $7.9 million to enhance practical placements for TAFE students in areas such as allied health and community services by increasing funding for placement support offices, $6.2 million to increase places in pre-accredited digital literacy and employability skills courses, boosting the job prospects of educationally disadvantaged Victorians, Funding will also deliver a new literacy and numeracy assessment tool for TAFEs and other providers, including learn local providers in the area of adult and community further education, $7 million to support the work of a new office at TAFE coordination and delivery, which will foster collaboration across the TAFE network. And this will help TAFEs share services, enhance quality and better meet the training needs of students, employers and communities. $88.8 million to make vocational education and training even more accessible for more Victorians through more fee concessions for eligible students. It should be noted that these millions are not just for our public TAFE colleges, but they are to be shared out amongst the private colleges, which have been proved again and again to be inadequate and indeed corrupt to the tune of billions of dollars. The Victorian branch of the Australian Education Union has this to say about the latest Victorian budget allocations for TAFE. The Victorian government's 2021-22 state budget has failed to address the need for significant investment in TAFE, putting at risk the opportunities for Victorians affected by COVID-19 and the state's ongoing economic recovery. AEU Victoria has highlighted the critical role TAFE plays in Victoria, training the workers we need to deliver the services and infrastructure our community relies on it was extremely disappointing to see no reference in the budget to one of the key areas of recommendations in the recent Macklin report on skills for Victoria's growing economy, the need for funding reform, said AEU Victorian branch president Meredith Peace. Victoria cannot claim to be the education state unless there is proper investment in vocational education with TAFE at its centre. The state government said they would save TAFE, but you can't save TAFE, when institutes are not funded to cover the cost of delivering courses as found by the government's own review. The piecemeal increase in the budget in per Student Contact Hour funding does not address the funding shortfall. Our TAFEs remain the lowest funded in the nation. TAFE teachers have been raising concerns about the lack of funding for vocational education and training for years. Their concerns have been echoed by business, academics, education experts, and by Jenny Macklin in her recent review, Ms Pease said. Free TAFE has actually been an important investment, but it will only work if it is underpinned by funding that actually covers the costs of running the courses. If the Victorian government doesn't lift their investment in TAFE, institutes will continue to struggle to run the courses needed free or otherwise and will continue to struggle financially. A significant number of tapes in the most recent annual reports were in deficit. Put simply, the government cannot continue to leave our tape system in this situation. Action must be taken by the Andrews government to address this funding gap if tapes are going to continue to be the centre of Victoria's vocational education system, Ms piece said. The AEU Victorian branch is calling for implementation of key recommendations of the Macklin Review. The recently announced Victorian Skills Authority is an important step in the right direction, but that alone will not provide the ongoing support TAFE needs now. TAFEs are at the centre of the vocational education system and the government must develop a fair and transparent funding model that actually covers the cost of providing the education and training. Victorians have a right to properly funded TAFE courses to get the skills and knowledge they need to gain secure and decent jobs. TAFEs and Victoria are struggling financially. That is the reality, as borne out by the recent letters of comfort issued to several institutions by the Andrews Labor government last month. Without proper investment in TAFE, the state government will fail to provide the education and training needed to ensure we have a highly skilled and sustainable workforce to deliver the services and infrastructure we all rely on.
0: So there you are. Uh, there are TAFE colleges that can't meet their financial commitments, and they are public education institutions, and it is the duty of the government to look after them, and they are not doing it. They are prepared to siphon money off into private institutions which are for profit. It's just not good enough, not good enough at all, and these are our local children Uh, that are in trouble and because we can't even get migrants who have been educated by their own governments to do our jobs for us, particularly the lowly paid jobs uh, that that aren't paid a proper minimum wage, uh, we are now having to look to our own children to keep the actual country afloat and our silly governments can't find the money for something so basic and important. One just wonders where they're coming from. But we'll have a bit of a break now and then we'll come back and Val's got something interesting to tell you.
3: Get ready to add your support during our annual Radiothon and be part of community-powered radio. 3CR Radiothon fundraiser, June 2021.
2: To donate, call 03-9419-8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au.
4: 3CR Radiothon, community-powered radio. Mm-hmm.
0: We're here back again talking about public education. Now, the dogs aren't the only ones that are concerned about public education because, after all, uh, the public education system educates two-thirds of our children and there are plenty of parents out there, parents and teachers who are very concerned. The way we differ is that we don't think one penny of public money should go to the private sector. We think public should be public and private should be private. In fact, we are very, very conservative, one would think. But um, there are these radical right-wing people who think, of course, that private's better than public. We know it's not. But, um, well, not for a democracy, it's not, and certainly not for the common good. But in the last week there was, in the age, uh, in the Fairfax, old Fairfax Media, Channel 9 Media, a very interesting Full page advertisement put in by the parents' organisations and the ACTU and the Australian Education Union. And uh, Dale is going to read us what it is that they put in the paper for Public Education Day on the 27th of May 2021. Over to you, Dale. Thank you, Jean. Yes, the release says, Public
1: Education Day. It's time to fund public schools properly and fairly. Today's Public Education Day, a day to celebrate the important role of public schools in every community. Across Australia, principals, teachers and education support staff are making a significant difference in the lives of Australian children, helping to level the playing field, overcome disadvantage and achieve excellence However, Australia currently experiences deep inequality in school funding. By 2023, only 1% of public schools will be funded at the minimum schooling resource standard, the SRS. This means public schools will be deprived of much needed resources to change lives for Australia's children. It's time that school funding inequity is addressed by federal politicians. That's why we have an open letter in The Age, the Sydney Morning Herald, the Australian Financial Review, today signed by 24 organisations calling on the Prime Minister to take action. We will be posting blogs and videos from prominent Australians on our social media today and encourage you to get involved on social media in support of public education. Can you help draw attention to school funding inequity? The Statements and signatures of all of those who sign will be delivered to federal MPs alongside powerful stories from principals, parents, teachers and support staff about the need for change. Every name added makes a difference. You can go online to the AEU's website and find the petition where you can add your name in support of public education.
2: Have you ever had a diagnosis of breast cancer or a gynecological cancer? Would you like to support other women as they go through their own cancer experience? Counterpart is a community-based service located in Melbourne. They support women right across Victoria who have been diagnosed with breast or a gynecological cancer. Counterpart peer support volunteers have all had their own cancer experience. They provide a listening ear and emotional and practical support to other women affected by cancer. As a peer support volunteer, you'll receive six weeks training, one day a week. The 2021 Volunteer Intake will begin training in August. Applications close on June 7. To apply or find out more, visit counterpart.org.au forward slash volunteer or call our Resource Centre on 1300 781 500. Counterpart, women supporting women with cancer. A 3CR supporter.
0: Well, here we are, still listening to the dogs program, I hope, because we're going to talk about a very interesting report that has come out of the Gonski Institute in in Sydney. And this report has been written by a group of people. Uh, Chris Bonner from Save Our Schools is the main contributor, I suspect. But there are others, including a headmaster who was in a private school and uh, academics. Now, as you all know, Gonski is a great needs policy man, and the needs policy goes back to the Whitlam era. But the dogs have never agreed with the needs policy because we know that the private schools game the system. They are able to game the system because they have a different set of rules to everybody else, and they can choose. They discriminate uh, where the public system doesn't. So it's an unequal and it has always been an unequal uh, situation for private and public. But uh, as everybody knows, things are very unequal, and Australia is falling behind in the international Joneses race, as we uh, we just know this. And the dogs have always said that this would happen if we gave money to private schools. But uh, people still somehow believe, that we might be able to make things a bit better with a needs policy. This report is called Structural Failure, Why Australia Keeps Falling Short of Its Educational Goals. Well, what are our educational goals? Believe it or not, there are official reports, uh, official statements, which say that we do have educational goals. Almost every decade since 1989, Australia's education ministers have gathered for a national education conversation and they've issued statements on what we want for our schools. Each meeting has spawned a new declaration to reflect the so-called changing times. What started in Hobart in 1989 with 10 goals and a particular emphasis on specifying curriculum, continued in Adelaide in 1999, and then in Melbourne in 2008. And the most recent one was in 2019, would you believe, in Alice Springs, and it's called the M-P-A-R-N-T-W-E declaration. Sounds good, doesn't it? Declaration, mm. And this 2019 Declaration, Alice Springs, in Alice Springs, consists of two high-level aspirational goals. Both have almost identical wording to the Melbourne Declaration back in 1999, sorry, 2008, and the declarations are thoroughly uncontroversial in aspiration and scope. So what is all this rhetoric that we're dealing with? What is it? What are these goals that we are supposed to be moving towards in Australian education? Or they sound good.
2: Mm.
0: The Australian education system promotes excellence and equity. Excellence and equity. And goal two is all young Australians become confident and creative individuals, successful, lifelong learners and active and informed members of the community. And together, these interconnected goals call all schools and governments to a cooperative effort and according to the logic of the declaration, if the goals are achieved, improving educational outcomes for all young Australians will follow, and our nation's youth will be equipped to pursue fulfilling, productive, and responsible lives. Oh, doesn't it sound wonderful? And we all know that it's not happening. No. We also know that much contemporary debate focuses on the first part of the goal one, that is, excellence. We hear it ad infinitum from our Conservative members we must go for this thing called excellence. Don't ask me what it means. Rather than equity, we all got a fair idea of what equity means. It means um, at least equal inputs, if not equal outcomes. What's lost in the debate is the focus on equity. And importantly, the equity's linear relationship with excellence. Because there can be no educational excellence for a nation without equity. In terms of education, equity and excellence are actually inseparable. But of course, the Conservatives have separated them out. And it's notable that there's rarely an evaluation of student confidence, creativity or community engagement from goal two of the Recent Alice Springs Education Declaration. So, the prospect of attaining such goals for all young Australians and also making them lifelong learners is heavily contingent on achieving equity and excellence. Let's put equity first. It's also unreachable if excellence is not matched with equity. Well, at least these writers um, have got the nub of it. Um, and if they know that if we keep falling short of the expectations, the post-pandemic economic recovery and social rebuilding will be much harder and much slower. So the report suggests that we need to undertake the bigger structural changes for a successful, sustainable and equitable school future. So what are their solutions? There's some tremendous stuff in this report, some pretty hard-hitting paragraphs, I have to say. I give them that. But their conclusions or their suggestions, their searching for solutions, um, is a bit more questionable. And they know this. But they feel that if we don't make a start, our school future isn't hard to predict. Because the accumulating evidence, including that available in the abundant data around our schools, predicts a decidedly unhappy future. Because based on recent trends, we will see decreasing equity, measurable school achievement continuing to languish, increasing gaps between the advantaged and the disadvantaged, and increasing school segregation. What is happening in both the private and the public sector, as well as between the public and the private, is actually higher SES schools growing and enrolling more advantaged students and the lower SES schools remaining static while having a larger share of the students who struggle or who may be disengaged. There's also decreasing interest in joining or remaining in the teaching profession. So we've got a problem with actually producing teachers, whatever Mr Tudge fudges, and increasing socio-educational gaps between the schools in every community. We've got school funding which is insufficiently reflecting the need and the equity, while evidence of inefficient and ineffective allocation of resources remains. Well, of course, the dogs are prepared to say that there's just plain corruption in the, um, in the funding area. There's also a mounting downstream cost, for example, in welfare support uh, created by school underachievement and a growing inequality. So. Um, They tried to uh, come up with a suggestion of integrating the two systems. Dogs can tell you it has never worked and it's not going to work. But remember, this report has got uh, somebody in it who comes from the private sector. So, uh, Gonski and Parsi Silberg, the academics and the, the a lot of, in fact, the public education uh, groups, uh, the the AEU, not the New South Wales Teachers Federation so much, but also the parents' organisations are not prepared to take on the private sector, particularly the Catholic sector, because they're frightened of being called sectarian, even though their schools, their schools are segregating our children. But um, They also think that there should be a fair school funding model. Uh, So there's some very interesting material in this report. Uh, The dogs are not prepared to go along with all of it uh, because they don't believe in the integrated system, but we can recommend it. And as I've said, there's some very interesting uh, ways of saying things, new ways of saying things that particularly Chris Bonner has obviously come up with in some of the paragraphs. So that's enough from me and um, being a bit academic uh, this afternoon. But I thought people might be interested. You can find this report on the uh, Gonski Institute website, and it is worth reading. But uh, we'll have a bit of a break now, and then we've got some very interesting material about last chance highs from Maddie. <coughs>
4: You can see that this country is covered in the blood of Aboriginal people, and the length and breadth of it. Australia is a part of an undeclared
2: war and a secret invasion, and it began 250 years ago this year. Now we have a country that's built on lies, deceit, fraud, propaganda and race hatred indoctrination. Now it's been 250 years of us being oppressed in our own land, brutally. We might be oppressed, but we understand what freedom is and we fight for it every day and we've resisted this occupation since day one. And I predict colonialism, capitalism, imperialism is going to get knocked out cold by about mid this year.
1: 3CR, your station in
0: struggle and solidarity. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. here you are again on the dogs program we hope you're still with us because it's an hour long program and there's a lot of uh, lot of information that we want to get across but maddie has got something to tell you uh, now about the last chance highs the children in our community who reject school and what is happening with their education over to you maddie
3: thank you very much jane Um, Some of Victoria's most vulnerable students whose mental health and personal problems were exacerbated by last year's COVID-19 lockdowns are yet to return to the classroom more than six months after remote learning ended. Their non-attendance threatens to cost some specialist schools for disengaged young people significant government funding, even as they continue to offer those students some form of remote learning. Hester Hornbrook Academy, a private school school last chance high for students who have left or been ejected from mainstream schools, faces the loss of more than $1 million in funding this year, with as many as 50 of the school's 250 students continuing to learn remotely. During COVID, we provided all of our students with a laptop and an internet connection, and that's a way that we've been able to keep the connection. But unfortunately for some of them, it means that they don't actually come to school, Principal Sally Laslett said. Ms. Laslett said that the looming loss of funding could force the school, which has campuses in Paran, Sunshine and the city, to cut back on some support programs and threatened to permanently derail the education of some of the state's most vulnerable teenagers. They were set back in their education already, Ms. Laslett said. We are a bit like the TV show Last Chance High. If we can't pick them up, who's going to do it? An August census of on-site student enrolments will determine government funding for schools such as Hester Hornbrook.
0: Now, this is a private school, isn't it? And yes. they're working because they're not getting money from the government. But um, when they say who's going to do it, everyone knows who does it. The state system already does it. Exactly. I don't know what's going on. Uh, there's something a bit fishy about all of this. There's money at the bottom of it because it's a private enterprise thing. Mm. Yes. Very interesting. It's a charity, I
3: suppose. So the school charges no fees and it's entirely reliant on federal and state funding of about $36,000 for each student a year,
0: which also... So $36,000, please remember this amount of money, these people get $36,000 to educate one school-rejected child. And a bit later, we'll find out how much it costs in a state school. Mm
3: -hmm. Back
0: to you. So
3: that cost apparently also covers the cost of employing a youth worker in every class. Students and staff at Hester Hornbrook Academy, which is struggling to convince many students to return to the classroom, After lockdown, funding is provided on a per-student basis and students are only counted by the Federal Education Department if the student has a pattern of regular attendance at the school during the year. Um, Other specialist schools for disengaged young people have also reported a serious setback in student progress this year, i.e. our state schools who cater for these children every day of every year, David Roycroft, principal of Oakwood, a state government secondary school for disengaged young people, state government school for disengaged young people, yeah, said most students had returned this year, but many have come back with significant mental health issues leading to meltdowns and an inability to cope. For sure there will be kids who we have lost, but the majority of kids have come back, Mr Roycroft said. A range of kids are presenting with significant issues in their life and we have probably spent the best part of 2020 with students who have not had the supports around them that they've usually had. So that's cosentinated a whole bunch of problems into the start of this year. Um, Victoria's education department said it had provided case management support through its navigator program for more than 2000 students since August.
0: Well, this article, which appeared in The Age uh, called The Last Chance Highs, um, was written by Adam Carey and there were a few very interesting uh, comments which Dale will tell us about. Over to you, Dale.
1: Thank you, Jean. Yes, Great Raven said, I don't know why the private schools would care about this. They aren't required to take these students anyway and are allowed to kick them out already.
0: And do oh, but it's worth thirty six thousand per student from from the federal government. I don't know about the state government; it's probably more altogether. It's there's money, big money in this.
1: Absolutely, and it's uh, you know, alarming to hear them whinging about it when they actually could afford to give each of their children a laptop and internet connection, which is something that public schools couldn't afford to do, and uh, oh. yet yet they're still bleating that. They need more money. Anyway, Bob the Builder said, it floors me that the state and federal politicians think it's okay to play play political football with education and some of the most vulnerable people in the country. Exactly. Uh, Samster said, TAFE was also sorely let down in Victoria by a lack of state government policy last year. One example is a free Certificate Three in hospitality. Begun in February... Then, due to COVID, it was delayed partway through, so, hands-on, so the hands-on component could be completed. Eventually, students went back to finish the theory in around August, but were not allowed to do excursions, a paid component, which was not refunded, nor the hands-on component on TAFE, as the restaurants weren't allowed to run. The students were told they still needed to find two weeks' work experience to get signed off on, though as the, the state government refused to extend the course any further by threatening to pull funding on future cohorts. My son was one of two people to finish the course. All those months later, how many will be too disengaged and leave education permanently? Well, that's an explicit example, but it's a very good example of exactly what happens when you defund TAFE, rely on edu businesses during a pandemic.
0: You're not wrong, Dale, but we'll have a bit of a break and you've got something else interesting to tell us from America, haven't you?
4: Yes. We've got a common enemy. The same government that locks up these refugees just behind us here at the Park Hotel is the same government that's going for our rights, trying to attack
0: the very limited gains that casuals have. And so when union activists take up the cause of refugees amongst their fellow workers, it's not an act of charity. It's about building workers' united self-defence mechanism, understanding
4: that we're all part of the same battle.
0: Well, then, still with the dogs program, and uh, listeners, we've been talking about facts and figures uh, with education, but we're going to be talking to you about a few facts and figures for 3CR because uh, we can't bring this program to you uh, without actually money being raised for 3CR and for the dogs program on 3CR, and it's radio from time again. So we will be asking you in the next few weeks uh, to dig deep into those pockets. We know that it's very difficult for a lot of our listeners, but um, every little bit helps. And the dogs has been asked to raise quite a lot of money. I'm not sure that we'll be able to. 6500 is really a lot of money for us and our people, but we must do our best because 3CR is the only place that you are going to hear the information that we bring you. But um, Dale is going to take us over to America where there's a very interesting case uh, being uh, run by the Americans United for Separation of Church and State. The dogs believe in separating religion from the state. We do not think that uh, religion should be in any way uh, given money from the state, and that goes for religious schools. But... um, This is a case which in fact concerns a teacher in a faith school and it's a very interesting case indeed. Over to you, Dale.
1: Thank you, Jean. The article is entitled, Americans United Urges Court to Dismiss Schools Appeal in Case of Greg Tucker, Colorado Teacher Fired for Opposing Racism. Americans United for Separation of Church and State argued on May the 11th, 2021, in a federal appeals court on behalf of Greg Tucker, who was fired after he tried to address pervasive racism at the private school in Colorado, where he worked as a teacher and director of student life. The U.S. District Court in Colorado on May 20, in May 2020 allowed Tucker's case, Gregory Tucker v. Faith Bible Chapel International, to proceed, refusing to grant the school's request to declare Tucker a minister and dismiss the case. But the school made the unprecedented move of appealing the judge's order, even though the case is not at a status that typically could be appealed. The school wrongly argues that the court should just accept the school's disputed contention that Tucker was a minister and that the ministerial exception applies to his employment.
0: he was a teacher, not a minister.
1: And that whole concept of ministerial exception is exactly why we need separation of church and state. The school wants to circumvent the legal process and deny Tucker his right, to challenge the retaliation and discrimination he suffered. On May the 11th at 9am, MT, American United Litigation Counsel Bradley Gerard, urged the 10th US Circuit Court of Appeals to dismiss the school's appeal and allow the case to proceed in the district court. Greg Tucker's case illustrates a frightening trend. Religious employers are urging courts to adopt an ever-broader interpretation of the ministerial exception. They want it applied not just to clergy and some private school educators with significant du- religious duties, but to all employees at religious organisation, said Gerard. The ministerial exception was meant to, to ensure that houses of worship could freely choose their clergy. It was never intended to be a free pass for any religious employer to discriminate against its entire workforce and sidestep civil rights laws. Greg Tucker was not a minister. He was an exemplary teacher and student life director, Gerard said. Greg was fired because he tried to combat pervasive racism at the school. The court should not allow religious freedom to be distorted as a license to discriminate and deny basic civil rights. The case background. Greg Tucker devoted 14 years of his life to working at Faith Christian Academy in Avada, Colorado. After Tucker and his wife adopted a daughter, who is black, from the Dominican Republic, some students began to call Tucker and his family racial slurs. Tucker was even more dismayed by the unchecked racism some students directed at their Black, Hispanic and Asian classmates. With the school administration's support, Tucker organised an anti-racism symposium for students in January 2018. While the event was overwhelmingly well received by administrators and families, a handful of parents objected. The school eventually caved in to the pressure of those parents and stripped Tucker of some of his his duties, and then it fired him. Tucker filed a federal lawsuit in June 2019 because the school violated his civil rights by retaliating against him when he opposed the school's racially hostile environment. The school is trying to exploit a legal doctrine called the Ministerial Exception, to avoid responsibility for allowing Tucker to suffer racially motivated discrimination at work and for unjustly firing him. But Tucker was not a minister. He was not responsible for teaching theology, had no substantial religious functions as part of his job, and when he inquired about a tax deduction available only to ministers, he was explicitly told by the school that he was not a minister.
0: Isn't that interesting? Very interesting indeed.
2: Mm.
0: But um, we, we, of course, here in Australia are looking at private schools that want to be exempt from discrimination laws. But the reason why it's important for us to have our public system is that our state schools are open to all children. And they certainly cannot and do not discriminate. A little bit of a break and then we come back to our great state school from Maddie. For three years teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. On the
2: proud product of a government funded primary school education and of a government funded secondary school education.
3: Every week on the Dogs Program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school.
1: State schools are great
3: schools. School of the week. State school.
4: School of the school. week.
1: Great state schools. The state schools. State schools. School are great of the
4: schools. week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program.
3: And our great state school for this week is... Oakwood Secondary College um, and I would like to tell you a little bit about Oakwood Secondary College. We believe that all students should be able to thrive in mainstream school, however we know that for a small percentage of students this is not always possible. Oakwood School provides opportunities for secondary school age students who have disengaged from school or where a mainstream school learning environment is seen to be inappropriate to meet the young person's needs. The background of students at Oakwood School is diverse, but they have in common the experience of trauma in their lives through, for example, violence, family breakdown and associated mental health issues. Often young people have not engaged in learning as a result of chronic anxiety or specific learning or language difficulties. Young people seeking enrolment at Oakwood School will usually be connected with a range of mental health, child protection or youth workers, but have been disconnected for some time from schools and teachers. Oakwood School provides a safe and supportive learning environment that enables young people to reconnect with teachers and learning as embodied in Oakwood's intent of learning, respect and empowerment. We believe that all students would like to be attending school and learning. We have a further strong belief that students will give the best that they have got. In other words, if they could do better at school, they would. The intention of Oakwood School is to reintroduce students to learning to the extent that they are able to be successful and to build upon these successes to develop their learning potential and journey to a successful adult pathway. The program is centered around a developmentally responsive, personalized learning and pathway plan with a focus on the development of literacy, numeracy, social development, pursuing students' interests and studies of art and PE. Oakwood School has campuses in Caulfield North, Noble Park and Frankston and pop-up schools at community venues in Hastings, Rosebud, Pakenham and Mornington. Oakwood School also runs a satellite VCAL program at Long Beach Place in Chelsea. This is a re-engagement program where students are enrolled in a VCAL, which is the Victorian Certificate of Applied Learning program, at foundation, intermediate or senior level. Students also have the opportunity to complete a VET certificate. Delivery of the program is flexible to allow students to complete their certificate over several years, if required. This unique program is delivered in a non mainstream educational setting and gives students the opportunity to experience success with learning. The program at the Caulfield Park Community Campus of Oakwood School includes music, home economics, and vocational education and training, VET, and Victorian Certificate of Applied Learning, which is VCAL programs. Integral to the program program at Caulfield Park are significant events such as camps, excursions, and whole school activities. Prior to enrolment at Oakwood School, the student attends a series of meetings that enable Oakwood School staff to better understand the young person in a case-managed approach, um, which is alongside parents, carers, and other professionals. This gradual process also allows the student time to become accustomed to the school and teachers and to become aligned with the school's values and processes. This intake process is designed to ensure that when the young person starts at Oakwood School, they are prepared and ready to focus on learning. The Oakwood School team comprises the educational leadership team of principal, campus principals, student wellbeing, and teaching and learning leaders, teachers and allied health professionals, such as psychologists, mental health nurse, youth workers, and administrative staff. Oakwood School is continuing to develop across the south-east Victorian region as a coordinated approach to engaging our most vulnerable young people with learning. Um, and I have some information from the My School website. The school's Ixia value is 931, with 1,000 being the mean.
0: That's well, well below the norm, well, yes. well below yes, yes. Yes, our children.
3: Yes. Absolutely. Um, 61% of those students come from parents whose income is in the lowest income group and 23% are in the second lowest quartile and only 5% come from well-to-do families. However, only 9% have a language background other than English. The finances are particularly interesting. The Australian government provides $1.8 million approximately. The state government provides... $6.9 million approximately. The parents provide $435 or $1 per student and other private sources provide $467,000 and the capital expenditure was $180,000 last year and it costs approximately $17,000 to educate a child at this school.
0: So the public education... Uh, System is spending seventeen thousand on these children, but a private institution gets thirty-six thousand, and I very much doubt whether they're doing as good a job. I agree. This tells you a great deal about where Mr. Morrison is coming from, Mm. and where, in fact, the private sector is coming from. The private sector sees children, student numbers, as a source of finances, lots of finances from the Treasury in Canberra. The public system sees children as children, as students. As the future. As the future, and they actually do a very good job. And there is a question here of how much it really should cost to do the right thing by Mm. all our children. Mm -hmm. That is called the resource standard. And the public sector is supposed to do it on the cheap and the private sector is encouraged to rake in the dollars from the public treasury. So um, you can see where the dogs are coming from and we're not going to go away either. And we're here on 3CR every, every week to tell you these things. And we hope that you listeners will give us the finances to do so. So, from Maddie and Dale and myself this week, it's bye for now.
4: I dreamed I saw Joe here last night, alive as you and me. Says I, but Joe, he are 10 years dead. I never died, says he. I never died, says he. In Salt Lake City, Joe says, I am standing by my bed. They framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I. 10 years dead